0: Welcome to BlitzCast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex
1: Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of BlitzCast. This is your host, Brendan Bullen, joined alongside my partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, Ed?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing today, Brendan?
1: I'm doing fantastic, my man. It's a nice, cool day out here in Colorado, so... Uh no complaints. Got a got a good week of football ahead of us, so um only good things to look forward to. And you know, last week, last week they they were able to we were we were not shorted any any great football. You know, it was it was another week one. It felt like we were like we were in playoff games again, you know? I mean, back to back weeks of great football. It doesn't get better than this. I I almost feel a little spoiled um getting these games that we've been getting this early on in the season. And even even in college football, you know, there was there was some games that were a lot closer than we thought they were gonna be, including that Bama versus Florida game. I mean, even myself included, uh, we were talking. I, I thought Bama was gonna kind of run away with that one, I you know, and I bet a lot of America did as well. I you know, um, every, everybody obviously sees Bama as the powerhouse, but Florida was able to make that a game, man, and it was. It was quite a surprise. So, Ed, what did you see out of that Bama-Florida game that was able to, you know, give Florida a chance to come back and, you know, even almost take that win out of, out of Bama's hands?
0: You know, what I like about Dan Mullen is I think he played a very aggressive game against Bama, um, and I think that's what made it a close game. The fact that he took chances, he went for two, um, you know, he used misdirection. I think that kind of stuff really paid off for Florida, and it was a close game, but... You know, just talking about that uh, clock fiasco at the end, I mean, you sort of lose track of the clock and, um, you know, Bama, I mean, I mean, it almost afforded Florida some time, but, you know, Bama was able to hold on to the ball long enough that really only Florida had about 10 seconds, so really they could only get off one offensive play and they were obviously sacked and so, um, yeah, I mean, Bama, Bama is just better in situational football.
1: No, I agree with you. You made a great point. Uh, you said Dan Mullen's name, and that man called a great game. He called an excellent game, and um, I, you know they attacked Bama differently than I said you would have to, and that, that's okay because it worked. They had they had a super efficient run game, and they just I I loved it. they they were aggressive. They didn't hold back, and the thing is, they didn't even have to necessarily be super aggressive in that passing game. I mean, they, they threw for, I think, under 200 yards, and you're able to, you know, come within two points of Bama. That's, that's just incredibly impressive. Uh, they were averaging, like, eight yards a carry on the ground, so it was it was exceptional running game. And then, you know, of, of the only criticism I have was that two-point conversion call, but you have to go for it. You know, the only thing is um, on that read option, had the quarterback given it off, Florida ties that football game. Florida ties that football game. It's just, it's tough. It's it's a tough situation because, you know, you want to be the guy to make the big play to, you know, send it into overtime or tie the game up or whatever it be. But that's a situation where, you know, I, I would maybe have a different play call up. I see where you're going with it. The running game's been effective for you. But to call a read option in that situation where, you know, the read option hasn't necessarily been the been the best option for you that night, I didn't love the play call to go for it on two. But at the same time, like you said, you you have to go for two. You have to. Um, and the thing is that I the thing that I really liked about uh, Dan Mullen's play call is he didn't ask Emory Jones to be a hero. Um, but he he asked him to make some big throws. But he didn't ask him to be a hero. And what I mean by that, he didn't he didn't tell him to go out there and you know deliver six strikes in a row downfield. You know he he opened up the pass game with the run game like you should. Um, and it was nice to see them be able to do that against a team like Alabama. Uh, so I, I was super impl- impressed with Florida. They definitely were able to, um, you know, shut me up. They proved to me that you know they they can they can just run the ball without you know uh, having their talented dual threat quarterback scramble around and huck it fifty yards downfield. You know they they can run an efficient system. But um, this was a great week of college football. But we got some other good games coming up next week. Unfortunately, no top ten matchups, but. One game I'm really excited for is Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. I think this is going to be a great revenge game. Uh, what do you What do you see coming out of this game, Ed? So I mean, I
0: see a Notre Dame team that was on top and a Wisconsin team that you know is traditionally pretty good. Um, you know, they're they're kind of working with different things. I mean, Wisconsin's always strong up front. You know, Notre Dame's always strong up front, so it's it's always. It's always kind of, a, you know, an offensive line. I mean, this is an offensive line strong type of game. You know, I, I, w- I would say, you know, this is this is more of an even matchup than it was last year. I mean, Notre Dame was probably top four or five team. I think, yeah, I mean, they were a top four team in the, in, you know, they, they went to the college football playoffs. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, they've lost a lot. They lost Ian Book. They lost their whole offensive line. So, I mean, this is this is a much closer game, but this is the first big test for both teams, and, um, you know, I, I, think, I think it's going to be a pretty even game, and, you know, it, it, it's a pick em winner. You
1: know, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think it will be a battle in the trenches. Both teams have, um, you know, they have solid defensive lines, good offensive lines, but I think I see Notre Dame inching this game out. Graham Mertz has, you know, he's averaging 175 yards a game, and there there has been somewhat of offensive line struggle for them this year. So I just I like my matchups with Notre Dame a little bit better. Um, I also think this is, you know, like I said, this is kind of a, re- a revenge game for Jack Cohen. I I think, you know, he wants to get that win against Wisconsin, and um, I just I I think Notre Dame's pass rush is looking a little bit better than Wisconsin's offensive line right now, and. Um, I know Notre Dame's defense has struggled a tiny bit more than you would have liked to see it so far, but uh, I just I just think they match up a lot better than Wisconsin does to them. And I You know, I don't even know if I could say a lot better. I just I, I like to edge them out. So I think Notre Dame wins this game in the trenches, and like I mentioned, Gre- uh, Graham Mertz hasn't necessarily impressed me to the point where I think he's going to go out and, you know, sling the ball downfield against, like, Kyle Hamilton, you know, Notre Dame's safety. One of my favorite players in college football right now. So, um, you know, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a close game, close-fought battle, um, one in the trenches. But I see, I see Notre Dame. I see Notre Dame inching this game out by a possession. You know, moving into the NFL, last week, last week was incredible. Um, like I said earlier, it, it feels like we're watching playoff games already. It's it's kind of ridiculous. I I feel greedy asking for more, but I, I you know, they're giving it to me, so I'm taking it. Um, and we got a great one last week between the Chiefs and the Ravens. I mean, what what a game. What a game. That felt like a AFC Championship matchup between two teams that very, very well could be in that AFC Championship. Um, Ed, what did you see out of that great comeback by the Ravens?
0: You know, I, I, mean, I mean, it really came down to a fumble, and that's the reason why, you know, when you fumble the football, you lose games. Turnovers will kill you, and turnovers killed you on the last drive, so... Um, you know you can't fumble the ball in the last drive, and that's why the Ravens won that game. You know the Chiefs, the Chiefs. I don't worry about the Chiefs. I mean they're, you know they're going to lose a few games here and there, but I um, mean they're going to be at the top of the AFC. Um, the Ravens, I mean they, you know, <laughs> I mean they're 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 still competing for an AFC North title, right? Like they right now. I mean from what we've seen, I mean they may be the you know, AFC North odds-on favorites um, with this win over the Chiefs. Now, I have to say, I mean, we're we're we're, we're three weeks into it. You know, we don't we don't know quite yet. Um, you know where how this is going to unfold. Um, there's still a lot of things happening I mean right now it seems like for this division there's a lot of big games that are front loaded I mean a lot of these teams you know coming into week three I mean you know these teams aren't playing really cupcakes um so we you know we don't you know the records the records are gonna look a lot better and it's gonna shake out as it goes on you know i I, I think Baltimore I mean you know this is this is year three I think it's like year four for Lamar jackson and uh you know this is this should be a prime year for him. Um the fact of the matter is is that he can he can he can do two things for you. I mean he can he can drop back and pass the ball when he needs to and he can run the ball and you know he can be very hard to stop. And so I mean no matter what defense you throw out there. I mean a team like you know he matches up a well against a team like Uh, Kansas City which you know really kind of just plays a bend don't break right like they don't you know and and he can he can consistently get that you know seven eight yard run Um, and so I think I think that that ability is very valuable Um, you know I think I think as the season goes on you know I I think a team like Kansas City will be able to shore up um, and be able to you know win that game you know fumbles a fumble Um, you know you can recover from these early season fumbles I I would say I would say really I don't worry about Kansas City, you know Kansas City is, you know a good team. I I think if anybody showed anything, it's Baltimore, it's Lamar Jackson, um and you know Baltimore always always really traditionally has a good defense.
1: Yeah no I I love what you said uh, Lamar Jackson what his ability to, you know to just take over with his scrambling ability and to just sit back in the pocket and deliver some strikes and, I will say. This game proved a lot for Lamar Jackson. Um, I've never been necessarily a Lamar doubter, but I've been one to say, you know, he has to rely on his legs to open up the pass game. But, you know, even before he was able to get his running game started, he was delivering some strikes. And for him to rebound after throwing two early interceptions really just showed who Lamar Jackson is as a quarterback. And I hate to say it as a Cleveland Browns fan, but gosh, I, I love Lamar Jackson. The dude he just no quit attitude in him and just not a lot of quarterbacks can rebound after throwing two early interceptions against a team like the chiefs I mean, you don't win football games against the chiefs if you throw two picks it just doesn't happen and to be able to do that is just it i'm, a, I'm almost at a loss for words how impressed i was and um you, you mentioned the run ability He he's now tied the nfl record in his fourth year ever for the most 100 yard rushing games by a quarterback ties with the great michael vick and Dude had 108 rushing yards, averaged eight yards a carry. How do you stop that? On top of a guy that can, like you said, sit back there and deliver strikes. One other thing I wanted to point out is I, I love I love the relationship that um, you were able to see between Lamar Jackson and Harbaugh. Um, you know they're going for it on that fourth down. You can't give the Chiefs back the ball in that opportunity or that um, situation. But you know the fact that Harbaugh goes out there and says, you know Lamar, are we going for it? Even though you know it just it shows that. Respect in that connection—that you you have faith in your quarterback to go out there and get you a yard when you need a yard at the biggest play in the game—and this this was just a big statement game for the Lamar and the Ravens. You were riddled with injuries on the on Baltimore's team. This is this is a game case she should have won. They should have won this football game. It's just it shows great perseverance by Lamar, and I think it also kind of showed something—a weakness in the Chiefs. If you can run the ball away from Chris Jones. You're gonna have success, and I, you know, even I was I was seeing it with the Browns game. You know, any time they were running the ball to the opposite side of Chris Jones, there was high amounts of success. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see teams, you know, starting to attack that attack that run game to the outside a lot more against the Chiefs now. Um, even even the cornerbacks on the outside, just the outside of the Chiefs looks a little weak. The inside looked awesome because you had Bolton coming in there uh, making plays up the middle, and as well as Chris Jones, but. The outside of the Chiefs defense is a little bit concerning to me, and I think the Ravens noticed that and were able to take great advantage of it. Uh, and I think that's how the... And like you said, you can't fumble in the ball in that situation. So that, that, was, the, that was the nail on the cross. So you just... You can't, you can't fumble in that situation. But like I said, the Ravens took great advantage of the opportunity they saw in that Chiefs defense. But moving on, another huge surprise. And, you know, maybe Denver's fans aren't so surprised, but I know a lot of people are. Teddy Bridgewater has looked awesome. You know the Broncos were able to pull off their second straight victory against the Jags, and you know a lot of people. I don't want to hype up Teddy Two Gloves too much, but a lot of people are saying they haven't felt this type of football since Mister Eighteen has been here. Von Miller included has said that. So, what are your what are your thoughts on Denver right now in that Broncos and Jags game?
0: I mean, I th- I think the fact is is they went they made the right decision with Teddy B. Um, I know a lot of people around Denver wanted Drew Locke, but Teddy B is the right guy for the job, and he's two and zero, and he deserves it. And um, you know, I think now that Denver's playing the Jets this week, I think they're going to go three and zero. I mean, the Broncos. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I, I'm not going to say that they're going to run away with the division. I mean, I think. I think a lot of people probably feel like, hey, you know, the Broncos, you know, are off to a good start. Um, can they do it over a whole season? But yeah, I'm encouraged by what I see and. Um, you know, for them, I mean, try to get these early wins. And, you know, I I, I, th- I, think really what they're trying to do is compete for a wild card and get a wild card spot.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the thing is, you can, you are in a super competitive division. But like you said, if you can get these early wins, it gives you a great head start. And I I, I think Teddy B is just such a perfect fit for, for Denver. You have endless amounts of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I, I mean, Like, you have one of the most talented young offensive rosters in football, and your issue in years past was simply getting the ball into those playmakers' hands. Drew Locke just had inconsistency issues, and Drew Locke wasn't somebody you could get five, six, even seven straight completions out of. Teddy B is doing it, and he's doing it effectively, and I believe he has the second-highest completion percentage in football behind Baker Mayfield, and one thing that he really proved to me this year was... He can push the ball downfield. Everybody preseason or uh, before when they brought Teddy B right in, it's like, oh, Denver's going to turn into this dink and dunk offense, even though they have all of this talent in the world. Teddy's shutting all of them up right now because he's, he's, uh, he's not out there launching the ball 65 yards downfield, but he made a few throws to Cortland Sutton that, you know, 35, 40 yards downfield, absolutely on the money. Um so i I don't want to hear people say that Teddy Bridgewater cannot push the ball downfield and get a vertical game going because he can, and he also just looked incredibly poised. he doesn't force anything. it just looks comfortable, and that's so nice to see for a Denver quarterback because you know since eighteen has been here every in, in you know there has been some o line inconsistencies, but the o line's there now, and you have a competent leader and I think what Denver really needed was a leader, and they have that in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, another great uh, sign for Denver is you're able to get Cortland Sutton back. Had a monster game over uh, or about 150 yards or so. Um, you saw flashes of what Javante Williams, that rookie running back, can be. You know the dude is kind of just a nonstop powerhouse. The legs don't stop churning. One other thing I want to point out is Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't want to get too scared yet, you know, and I don't think he's in a great situation. I don't love Urban Meyer but he struggled. He struggled. Um, do you think, do you think there's, this is time to panic on Trevor Lawrence or do you, do you want to sit back and even, even let his second season play out if this rookie year isn't great? Are you, are you scared about Lawrence's future or this is only two weeks in and you can't jump the gun yet?
0: I mean, I, I remember Peyton Manning also struggling his first year. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're in the number one pick, you, you come into a bad situation, right? Like you don't, you don't come into a great winning team very often when you're the number one pick. I, I, I don't really question Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think maybe, you know, he, he really has to prove that, you know, he can maintain his confidence. And that's really the key to this season for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I, I think with the Jaguars, they need to keep building. I think, you know, with with Urban Meyer. I I just don't think Urban Meyer's heart is in it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, there's some there's some rumor about him to the USC job. Um, you know, he's got health problems. I, I'd I'd actually rather him just kind of walk away from the game and focus on his health. But you know, to be honest with you, I mean, with with football, you got to be 100% in it. You know, Urban did it with Florida. He did it with Ohio State. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he he's built a legacy in college football. I don't I don't know if maybe doing this this year with the Jags is really worth it. I, I think he's a one-and-done. I think you need to find a coach who can be committed for the long term for the Jags.
1: No, I I, yeah, I 100% agree with you, Ed. There's a, something that came out that said he went up to Fick Fangio after the game and said, every week's like playing Alabama. And I don't know if that came to a surprise as Urban Meyer. I mean, were you expecting to play a team like Purdue every week? I, I don't know. Um, so I just... I, I get what you're saying. I just I don't feel like he's fully in it, and I think he's a one and done as well. And if I'm a Jacksonville fan, I'm okay with that. I want a coach that wants to be in Jacksonville. I want a coach that, you know, wants to fight through the struggle, wants to build with a team. And I agree with you. I I think it's in his best interest to probably make this a one and done deal and let Jacksonville, you know, kind of do their own thing and uh, part ways. Try to try to build a little bit better of an offense around Trevor Lawrence, develop a system that might work better for him and. I just I don't love how much you're making Trevor Lawrence throw the ball this early. I get that you want to see what you have in him, but you had a guy James Robinson who ran for over 1,300 last year, and the dude's averaging like seven seven carries a game or so. I, I get I get you wanted to bring in Travis Etienne to have that dual um, halfback thing and even maybe put him at receiver, but he's out and you're still not running the football. So I just don't even think they're necessarily putting Trevor Lawrence in a great situation um, game plan wise to succeed. So, uh, I definitely, I'm not huge on urban Meyer and I agree with you. I think this is a one and done deal for him. Um, and I I think that's in Trevor Lawrence's best interest as well. I think you get an NFL minded coach. And like you said, urban's kind of proven his legacy in, in college football. And I think that's more his route, but uh, I would like to see Jacksonville go with a, with a new NFL head coach next year.
0: I want to jump in and say, if there's one thing that urban Meyer can do in the NFL, um, you know, he has a relationship with Trevor Lawrence. Is you know, keep, you know, keep, keep, keep Trevor Lawrence's head up, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he's a, he's a great prospect. And, you know, I just, you know, I'd hate, I'd hate for Urban to ruin his confidence, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, I think he should be a 100% committed to what's best for Trevor Lawrence at this point.
1: No, I, 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 I totally agree with you. you know this is the first time in his life that he's lost regular season games in his entire life. So it, that's definitely got to be a damper on the confidence. But, yeah, you got to have your head coach behind you and keeping you up. And how about that Titans versus Seahawks game? Uh, Seattle, you know, you, you have to pull that out. You have to pull that out. You, I thought, you know, I was, I was watching a handful of that game, and I thought Seattle was going to run away with it. But, you know, Derek King Henry was able to come through and, you know, prove why that's his name. So, um, Ed, were you able to see any of that Titans versus Seahawks matchup?
0: You know, I saw the first quarter, but I mean, I, th- I think the, the the thing that needs to come out of this is that uh, you know the Titans are a team that should be respected. I mean, this is this is definitely a team that should be respected by everyone. I mean, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is they have two receivers, they have Ryan Tannehill, and they have Derrick Henry. They have all the weapons on offense to get the job done. I, I think you know Taylor Lewan didn't have a great game. You know, at the beginning, that's one thing that I saw. But I mean, this team is this team is very good, and you know, they should be they should be considered one of the AFC favorites. So um, I'm not surprised that the Titans won this game, and I think the Titans are going to be more competitive than they were last year.
1: You know, I I I honestly will not lie. After that Week One matchup, I was a little nervous for Tennessee. Defensively, they just did not look good. They they got their butt kicked, kind of handed to them week one, and you know it's week one. It's 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 easy to jump to conclusions week one, but you never should. And week two was a perfect example why. You know, once once Seattle was able to go up by two possessions, I thought I thought they were going to kind of run away with it. Russell Wilson, you know, he was commanding the field, and I think it's it's simply Derek Henry breaks a defense down until they just have no more willpower. he was having a hard time getting started week one and then come week two still like a tough start to his game. He was, he wasn't averaging over three yards of carry in that first half. And then, you know, once you give him the ball 25, 30 times, that's a big man to bring down 25, 30 times. So that defense is going to be exhausted. And you saw that he was able to break off that 60 yarder where he just blew past everybody. And then from that point on, he was running people over left and right and, he once proved he he took his throne and and proved why his name was King Henry, and uh, another another thing I wanted to point out was Julio Jones came back like you you know looked looked like a healthy Julio again had over a hundred and twenty yards receiving and I'm I'm surprised that the Titans you know were able to win this game even whilst being robbed a couple of times there was there was that touchdown that they took away from Julio Jones where you know his foot was more than obviously in bounds but they. They went into the whole scientific. Oh, his his toe touched, and then his heel touched out of bounds, which it didn't. But they, you know, they said it wasn't there. And then, and uh, I believe it was even in overtime where Russell Wilson, um, he got sacked in the end zone, and they said it was on the one yard line. So they, the Titans had a safety taken off the board and a touchdown taken off the board, and were still able to come through. And I don't even think that shows how good their defense is. Their defense came through when it needed to but you still gave up about 30 points. I think that just showed how dominant their offense can be once they get the offense that they want. Once you get that running game started with Derrick Henry, I don't see many teams, you know, stopping that offense. I, I really don't. Uh, and he, you know, he was able to prove it by you know, beating down on them, you know. It, it didn't start until mid-third quarter is when his, you know, he took the game over and if that's all you need is two quarters out of Henry, they're going to be a tough team to beat from here on out. Um, and something else that I think this proved for Seattle, um, Tyler Lockett has I think cemented himself as Seattle's number one receiver. I think I think they know what to do with him more than they know how to utilize DK. And this is not uh, DK Slander in any way, shape, or form. This is this is Tyler Lockett praise. Uh, I think this man is. I mean, he had a career year last year, but look out for him to have an even better year this year. And how about this upcoming week? We have some really good matchups this week. How about the former Super Bowl or the previous Super Bowl champions, uh, Tom Brady and company, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams? What do you see coming out of this game, Ed?
0: Gosh, I, I think this might be like one of the biggest matchups of the year. I mean, just just from a kind of power rankings, you know, see who who really belongs where uh, in the NFL. I mean, I think I think this is the two best teams in the NFC going at each other. You know, Matt Stafford has proven himself as a Ram, um, so I'm not. I'm not saying that the Rams are out of this. Um, the, the the Tampa Bay looks, you know, Super Bowl worthy this year. I think this might be one of the biggest matchups of the first first quarter, first third of the season, and uh, yeah, I mean. Um, who I'm gonna pick? I'm probably I'm probably gonna go with Tampa in this game. Uh, you know, Tampa's got the experience; they got it up front. But um, you know, this <laughs> the loser of this game is not a loser.
1: No, I, I agree with you. You couldn't have said that last part better. I it's just I have a really I want to say Tampa Bay's gonna win. I just have this strange feeling that Matt Stafford's gonna have a great game. I I I think I'm gonna have to just go with Tampa though. Just you know, simply because. I don't think that um, the Rams will have any running game whatsoever. This is going to be Stafford airing it out, throwing it dang near 50 times. And you've seen that with every team that's played Tampa Bay so far. Um, Matt Ryan threw, I think, 12 more passes than he did in week one in their second matchup. And Dak Prescott threw the ball 50 times week one. So teams know this is still a very, very, very elite run defense. And, the Rams have, they have injury issues at the running backs right now, so you can't, you, you can't not just air it out against them. You have to go all out with Matt Stafford today, or uh, this week, and I just, I think this is a good week to do it because you have Coop coming off of a career day. Cooper Cup had over 200 yards receiving last week, so if, if you can get, you know, even a fraction of that game that he played last week into this week, I think the Rams have a great chance to, you know, make this a game. And I'm not even saying the Rams don't have a shot to win it. Um I just I think overall I like the matchup that Tampa has better right now. But this is this is gonna come down to the fourth quarter. This is gonna come down to, you know, if if Stafford is legit, I think I think he has a chance to, you know, if, if he gets the ball with with an opportunity to go down and drive and get the Rams a win. I'm not saying he doesn't do it. I just think that if you can't run the ball for four quarters and you're airing it out all day, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to beat this team. Tampa Bay has looked good in the run game. That secondary has been a little bit questionable, but, I mean, they 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 got two pick-sixes last week, I believe. So it's it's not like they're in shambles. They're still playing good football. This is a tough one to pick, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Bucks by a possession. No more than that. But, um, like I said, you just... Too good of a run defense and too bad of a run game for the Rams right now to, to give them that win. How about another great matchup we got coming up? The Packers versus 49ers. Kind of an interesting one. I don't necessarily know the 49ers' true identity yet, if this is who they're going to be for the rest of the year. Um, and, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers coming off of a big game after a week one mishap. So what do you see coming out of this Packers versus 49ers game?
0: I think this is the big test. I mean, you know, the commentators at Sunday Night Football, you know Chris Collinsworth is going to be loving some himself, some Aaron Rodgers, you know. Um, you know, they're going to be touting Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, I think this is the big test of, you know, where is Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career, at his age? Um, you know, is he is he still in the prime of his career? I think this is what he has to prove. Um, you know, the 49ers have a good defense, so I mean, he's going to be challenged. The 49ers aren't as good of a team and I think I think the Packers win this one, but we're going to learn a lot about Aaron Rodgers this weekend.
1: You know, I agree with you. I think the Packers kind of run away with this one. Um, and one big thing, I the 49ers, they will have absolutely zero run game. I mean, if you think the Rams run run game is kind of messed up, talk about four starting or four running backs hurt for the for the 49ers. So they're they're in a tough position. And if you're telling me that you want Jimmy G to go out there solo dolo and beat the Packers, I don't see it happening without a, a run game to open up that pass game. And you know, Jimmy G has impressed me this year. I will not I will not deny that. You know, he's had big games with huge yardage. Debo Samuel's the league's leading receiver, but that's when you had a pretty efficient run game to go with it. And now you're playing a Packers team that I don't think that week one was anything what they're going to be. I I don't want to say it, but I, I want to say Rodgers kind of sold that game. That's not Aaron Rodgers. I think what we saw at a week two is Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I believe he had, what, four touchdown passes or something, three, four touchdown passes. Aaron Jones had four touchdowns. So I, I just, offensively, I, I like I like Green Bay better. And even, even though the 49ers defense, their roster-wise, they're incredibly talented across the board. They've they've given up some big numbers this year. They've given up big yardage, um, high-scoring games, and I just I can't see them I can't see them containing containing Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams for the full four quarters. And on top of that, I don't see the 49ers scoring a boatload of points with Jimmy Garoppolo having to throw the ball probably four, oh, 40 times this game. If if that's just not the type of quarterback Jimmy G is, and I also just don't think you have the team right now for that. I don't think you have the team that can put up as many points as the Packers can put up. I know they only played the Lions last week, but I think we did see what we're going to get out of Rodgers this week that we did last week. So if if we're taking that into account, I think the I think the Packers win this game by a couple of possessions. I really do. I think it's a slow start, but I, I think the Packers kind of run away with this, especially once you get Jimmy G into the you know high thirties of passing it's, it's going to be a tough game for that for that 49ers offense. Receivers are going to have to play big. You're going to have to attack uh, Kevin King all day if you want any chance at winning if you're the 49ers. You have to expose that secondary because you're not exposing anybody on the front seven. So I'm agreeing with you. i got to take the Packers on this one, Ed.
0: All right, well, uh, that should lead us into our uh, interview with uh, Steven Heigel. Steven, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. 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 Good to have you. Does Alabama's close game against Florida make you question their dominance?
2: No, definitely not. I mean, Florida's a top twenty-five ranked team, and you saw how much, uh, how many fits they gave Alabama in the SEC championship game last December, only losing by six points. And of course, Saturday they only lost by two points. Um, Alabama played really well at the beginning of the game. They had a big lead they took their foot off the gas a little bit and florida got back into the game but florida's going to be a team that's going to be right there at the top of the sec east division this season maybe even winning the division and playing alabama possibly playing alabama again in the conference championship game we'll see about that
0: what do you think of bryce young i
2: think he's had a great first three games of his career um he's only a freshman uh, so he's only going to get better um you saw how well he did against miami and then of course Florida, he played extremely well as well last Saturday. So I, I think he's only going to get better. Is you know he's kind of in the mode of uh, Michael Vaker, Lamar Jackson where he can run and throw, uh, maybe more heavily weighted. On, obviously more heavily weighted on the throwing than the running. But um, I think he's only going to get better with time, and he's going to be another great Alabama quarterback behind you know Jalen Hurts and um, Tua Tagovailoa, and of course Mac
0: Jones last year. Talk to me about Ohio State's QB situation
2: yeah um i think their quarterback situation is is still in good shape uh cj Stroud, i know has had had somewhat uneven uh start in the last couple weeks um in the first couple weeks of the season of course um he's played well at times and not so well at other times uh they leaned on the running game last weekend uh with travion henderson to win that game so I think it's going to even out. I heard I just saw yet last night. I believe he's not going to play this weekend, so we'll see what happens and who's going to who's going to play quarterback for Ohio State. But I think the Buckeyes are going to roll uh, this weekend, regardless. But then, of course, the tough tests come in when they have to play Penn State and Michigan, among others, in the next couple of months. Once big ten, once they get into the part of the
0: Big Ten schedule. What do you think the weaknesses of Ohio State that could keep them out of the playoffs?
2: Um, I say keeping out of the playoffs would be um, probably just the fact that. If they lose another game, it's going to be really, really difficult for them to make the college football playoff because they already have the one loss to Oregon. I just think any loss, weakness from a weakness standpoint, I just think they, their their defense needs to play much better. Um, but any more losses this season could really prohibit them from making it to the college football playoff, next, especially now that they're getting into the Big Ten play. So, you know, if they play Penn State and Michigan and they lose one or both of those games, they're definitely not going to make it to the college football playoff.
0: Who is Clemson this year? Um, It's hard to say. Uh,
2: they're a great defensive team. <laughs> that's that's definitely the case. Um, as you saw how well they played against Georgia, uh, they only, the only points they gave up were the pick six and a field goal. And then, of course, Georgia Tech, they only let up eight points as well, and two of them were on a safety. So they're a great defensive team. Their offense is still a work in progress. Uh, their quarterback has had some growing pains. Um, they were missing Travis Etienne in the backfield. Of course, he left. He Left after the last season, along with Trevor Lawrence, and they're definitely still trying to find their identity on offense. But I think they'll they'll do very well in ACC play. They got a big test this coming weekend against North Carolina State. It's in on the road game. It's going to be very tough for them to win that game if they don't play. Um, their offense
0: doesn't play particularly well. Do you think DJ Uyunglela, uh can take them to the College Football National Championship
2: uh, this season? No, I don't. Um, I think he can possibly take them to the playoff, but I predicted earlier in the beginning of the season when I did my predictions that Clemson would have a re- really good season but they would lose in the ACC championship game to North Carolina um, I still see that happening and we'll see as the season progresses how well Clemson does and if their offense can progress as well because like I said their, their offense has not looked very good so far this season uh, and they have a really tough difficult opponent this weekend in the Wolfpack
0: What do you think of the new Big 12 with new teams coming in teams moving out and so forth in the future?
2: I like it. Um, I was surprised that they added four teams when Texas and Oklahoma left. I thought they would they would drop. They of course they dropped two. I thought they would go up just to two, but of course they went all in and got four new members. Um, I think they're they're spread out pretty well. They're all good good rivalry schools for football and basketball, of course, when um, it goes that way. But I mean, Cincinnati's a growing program. Um, you know, UCF, BYU. I mean it's it's going to be a it's going to be a great you know future for the Big Twelve. I know they lost two of the. Um, the prominent members in Texas and Oklahoma. But I I think it's I think it's definitely um, they definitely did the best they could and, and got some really good new schools to join the conference.
0: Do you think the SEC will be too loaded adding Texas and Oklahoma? I mean you talk about, you know, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, I'm sure I forgot one. <laughs> Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. I, I think it loaded is a good thing for
2: the conference, but at the same time is um, depending if they expand the college football playoff, it's going to be difficult for some of the middle tier to lower tier teams to get much traction considering um, they're going to be playing very, very difficult opposition on a weekend and week out basis And the conference once conference place usually starts around the late September, early October after the non-conference games are over. So um, in that regard, it's going to be difficult. I, I, I think it could be, you know, you know very weighted heavily I mean look at a normal look at look at Alabama's normal schedule I mean they just played Florida they have to play uh Ole Miss in a couple of weeks and then they have to play Texas A&M and they still have to play LSU and a few other opponents so it's 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 just a tough tough you know couple months of conference games and last year it showed more than more often because that last year the SEC just played conference games so that was just a more brutal schedule for those lower tier teams so time will tell but I, I think it's going to be it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the next couple of years once Texas and Oklahoma do join the conference.
0: Is Oregon for real? I mean, we saw them beat Ohio State, but are, are they are they for real in the Pac-12? Yeah, I definitely
2: think they are. Um, they lost. They they had two players miss that game, and they still beat Ohio State in Columbus, which is a, is a huge victory for them. Um, they did play a close game the week before that um, and barely won in their opener. But, like I said, I think they're for real. I think they're going to roll through the Pac-12 Um if they can get through the Pac-12 unscathed or even with one loss and win the Pac-12 championship game, I'm sure they're going to find themselves in the college football playoff. Hopefully at that point, all their best players are healthy. Um, I know their quarterback went down with an injury last week, so I'm not sure if he's going to play this week or not. But it's going to be a very interesting season, but I think they can definitely win that Pac-12 conference and and, and advance to the college football playoff. And if they're fully healthy when that happens, they, they could end up being the champions at the end of the season.
0: Do you like the idea of expanding the college football playoff? Yes, I
2: do. I do like the idea of expanding it. I think
0: the they should take uh, a
2: step back before they take uh, two steps forward and only expand it to six or eight teams instead of uh, twelve teams, which they remember they were originally talking about doing. I know it's still it's been tabled now for the time being, but I think six or eight teams is a good start. Maybe go to twelve teams in another you know five to ten years. Uh, but I definitely think there's there should be more opportunities for some of the. Um, teams that don't, don't win their conference or for for um, G5, group of five schools as well.
0: Steve, we appreciate it. Uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find your work?
2: Sure. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at Steve Hegel, S-T-E-V-E-H-I-E-G-E-L and also the website www.justcollegefootball.net um, Tons of college football information on there and you know, always happy to come on the podcast.
0: And just to remember again, It's at Steve Hegel on Twitter. Um, Thanks for being on the show.
2: You're welcome. Thank you very much.